Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is Dogdom, the podcast where you can find all the latest and greatest in the world of dogs. My name is Lacey Charbonneau, and I will be your host in today's episode, Please Don't Go, where we will tackle the topic of separation anxiety in our canine companions. We will go in-depth on what this type of anxiety is and looks like, how to prevent it, and how to manage this type of fear in dogs. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys to subscribe to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Lacey at Dogdom Podcast to be sure you never miss an episode. And also, please send us any questions you have about your dogs, about training, about gear, or if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on the show, you can reach us on Twitter or email it to thedogdompodcast at gmail.com. All right, before we get started, we're going to do Dog of the Day, where you listeners can send in pictures of your furry best friends to the show, and one lucky household will get drawn every week, and we will introduce your furry pals during the episode. So without further ado, today, the dogdom would like to shout out to Diana Charbonneau of Packwood, Washington, and her German Shepherd, Rain. He is one year old and enjoys a good old game of fetch, as well as playing with all the other dogs on the hill. To see a picture of Rain, you can follow us on Twitter at Lacey at Dogdom Podcast. If you want a chance for your furry friend to be Dog of the Day, send us an email to thedogdompodcast at gmail.com with Dog of the Day in the subject line. Include a photo of your dog or dogs and a few of the things they enjoy best in life. All right, so let's get started off by talking about what separation anxiety looks like. Some of you guys may have a dog experiencing anxiety and not even recognize it. Don't worry, this type of fear and stress is on a spectrum and can be difficult to spot. Separation anxiety is when your dog experiences stress when left alone. As a result, your dog will express this stress in many number of ways, most commonly crying or whining when you're gone. Uh, Most people unfortunately discover this one after the neighbors complain about the noise. We also see things like destruction of property. This presents itself as chewing up his own toys, chewing on things that smell like you, uh, like your shoes, your clothes, other items that may be specific only to you or that you use a lot that will carry your scent. Scratching or chewing on furniture. We've all seen the YouTube videos of the people that get home and the couch has been destroyed. Uh, those guilty dog videos. Um, also scratching or chewing on the door that you left from. This is a big indicator of separation anxiety because the last time your dog saw you, that was the thing that shut you guys out. So obviously he's going to go for the the door. So self-destruction is another thing that we see uh, in the clinic. Uh, we call these uh, lick granulomas. This is when your dog, just out of pure anxiety and stress, will just start to lick and lick at one spot. This can generally be on the feet, on the tail, uh, on the chest, uh, rear end, really anywhere where he can get to. And uh, it's not, the, the difference between this and other skin conditions is that it has nothing to do with any kind of skin infection any kind of flea or irritation. It is purely out of boredom or stress and anxiety, and it will create a sore which can get infected and cause all kinds of unwanted problems. Other types of self-destruction include injuries from trying to escape, trying to climb the fence. We've seen dogs that actually will jump out of a window, and obviously the broken glass causes some damage. 
And so it's, it's not good, not beautiful. We don't like it. So I just want to say that just because your dog chews up a shoe does not mean he has separation anxiety. The key aspect involved in identifying separation anxiety is that these things we've talked about only happen when he's left alone. So if you're sitting on the couch and your dog brings you a half-eaten shoe, that doesn't mean that your dog is experiencing separation anxiety. It's these things only happen after he's been left alone. That is, that is the key there. So as we said before, this type of anxiety is most definitely on a spectrum. We have been discussing some of the more extreme symptoms, but there are, of course, more subtle clues as well. If you get home and your dog greets you as if you're a soldier coming home from war, jumping up on you with this frantic look in his eyes, uh, panicking, crying, whining, pacing back and forth, these types of things, greeting you in a way that's really over the top, that can kind of be an indicator that he experienced a little bit more stress than normal while you were gone. Another another kind of subtle clue that your dog experiences a little bit of stress while you're gone is that he's absolutely exhausted when you get home. So most of the dogs during the day while you're at work get a lot of their sleep time in. And so some dogs can actually experience insomnia while you're gone. They can't sleep. They're just so stressed out. And so once you get home, the moment you sit down, your dog's just out cold and down for the count. And if you notice that your dog just seems real red in the eyes, real exhausted when you get home, that can be an indicator that that he may be experiencing a little bit of separation anxiety or fear of being alone. So I do want to mention here that uh, one of the things I get a lot from the clients that I talk to is, hey, my dog just follows me around everywhere and he won't leave me alone. He has to come into the bathroom with me when I'm showering. He's sitting right there, follows me into the kitchen when I get up. I want to tell you guys that following you around is not always a sign that your dog has separation anxiety. You got to remember, dogs are group animals. Another term that is common is pack animals. So staying together is inherent in their nature and, and most perfectly healthy dogs will also do this. So just because if that's the only thing that your dog is doing, it's just following you around, probably doesn't have separation anxiety. This is a normal behavior for normal dogs. It can accompany dogs that have separation anxiety, but it is not in itself mutually exclusive a, an indicator of separation anxiety. Alright, so now we have kind of a good idea of what separation anxiety looks like and how you spot it, let's talk about prevention and management. I sort of combine these two because a lot of the things that you can do to help manage anxiety in your dog are also the things that you can be doing anyway to prevent it from becoming an issue in the first place. So here's the big question. Why does my dog panic so much when I leave if I go through the same routine every day? Doesn't he know by now that I am coming back? This is a great question, and this kind of hits at the heart of the topic of separation anxiety. The deal is, it's not necessarily the fear that you won't return. Though this can be the case in some instances, such as younger dogs still kind of getting used to the routine, or we see this a lot in rescued dogs that may have experienced abandonment, neglect, or abuse in the past. Instead, it's the idea of being alone until you return. So as we said before, dogs are group or pack animals, and they don't really enjoy their time alone as much as, say, a cat does. So first things first, Cut out all ceremony involved in the departure and arrival process. This is useful as a preventative measure as much as it is for the management in dogs. This is something that everybody should be implementing in their normal dog routine. We know that, you know, it's hard. We love our dogs and, and we want to 
love on them and kiss them and tell them we're going to be back and say goodbye. But this is kind of the normal part of developing a healthy relationship with your dog. And so it's, it's useful across the board. And what this means is that you need to create a buffer between any contact you have with your dog and the actual act of you leaving or arriving in the house. Most often when leaving, you know, we'll kiss them, say goodbye, tell them we'll be back. This may be inadvertently rewarding the association of any feelings of anxiety or fear that are already present with the actual act of leaving or arriving into the house. I want to kind of lay out a metaphor for you here to help you understand. So this is a lot like when you have a little kid that's running and uh, they maybe trip and fall in the backyard and this, you know, not hurting or injuring themselves really more of just kind of it was a scary kind of deal. And the immediate reaction is actually not to cry by the kid, but to look at his parent and what will happen is if this parent then rushes over to soothe the kid, this validates the feelings of fear and will result in the child crying and the ampli amplification of the feelings. However, uh, let's say the parent were to laugh with their child and say, oh no, how silly, did you tumble over? That's so silly. And just start laughing and bring the kid into the laughter. More often than not, the kid will join you in the laughter and thus squashing any potential feelings of fear that were there. So much the same way as when the parent rushes over to soothe and comfort the kid, soothing your dog before leaving or after your return will only serve to validate any potential or existing feelings of fear and or anxiety that may be occurring. So how do we avoid this? It's, it's really easy. So create a 10 minute contact buffer before departing and after arrival in which you follow this rule. No look, no talk, no touch. This means that you don't make eye contact with your dog. You don't look over in your dog's direction. That's no look. You don't talk to your dog. But also an important one here, guys, is that you don't talk in general. I, I know that a lot of us live by ourselves and we may talk in the mirror. Hey, today's going to be a good day or something along those lines. And our dogs don't necessarily always know when we are acknowledging them and talking or trying to communicate with them and when we aren't. So if you uh, are in a relationship with someone, you, you live with somebody and you're the last one to leave and you're in charge with wrapping up the dog or if you live alone just remember that uh, all talking needs to stop in this buffer time the last one no touch this is kind of obvious one this just means no physical contact with your dog during the buffer time how does this work if I put my dog in a crate? Great question, and this is absolutely applicable in all crate situations. Crate, by the way, is a great idea for dogs with known anxiety, uh, known separation issues, just because it's a safe environment. And, and the big, big key thing here with this kind of extreme cases of separation anxiety is keeping our dogs safe. So the crate, I love it. It's a great way to implement these things, and this buffer zone absolutely works with the crate. Whatever routine you have, of getting your dog to go into the crate, you're just going to start this 10 minutes early. And I just want to state again, this 10 minute time, it's an arbitrary number. So you don't have to get out your phone and turn on a timer and go for exactly 10 minutes. That's not what the intention here is. I just want to give you guys a rough estimate of how big of a time this needs. So it's not sh too short that, you know, one or two minutes before you leave, that won't be long enough to create that separation of what they're associating that fear response to. So you need to have to be long enough of a time where they they don't associate your leaving with the contact and the love and, and the attention you were giving them, but it doesn't have to also be a, an hour or anything like that. So the 10 minute time, that's an arbitrary number, but it should be around that long. 
but the crate, you're just going to put them into the crate in, in 10 minutes before you leave and then don't look, don't talk, don't touch over in their direction. But here's a big difference. When you're in the house and the dog gets run of the house and you're leaving, the dog gets to follow you around while you're getting ready to go. If you put your dog in a crate, they can't necessarily follow you around. Your dog still needs to know you're present in the house for this 10 minute buffer time. That's a big deal. So don't close, if, if your crate is in the bedroom, don't close the door to the bedroom and leave the bedroom room because then your dog's just going to think you've left and you've created no buffer zone between the last contact and the actual act of leaving. So stay in the bedroom if that's where your crate is or whatever room you have the crate in. Make sure your dog still knows you're present. You're just ignoring them for this time. So get dressed, get your shoes on, get ready, but still keep your body physically present near the animal until you, until you leave. Um, so that's really the, the major difference there. Uh, otherwise, it works much the same. When you get home from work, this does mean, though, leave your dog in the crate for about 10 minutes before taking them out and doing the no look, no talk, no touch. However, there's one little difference here. When you take them out of the crate after the buffer zone is done, you can do this kind of one or two ways. Uh, you can either immediately take them out of the crate, but do it in a way where you're ignoring them. So don't make eye contact with them when you open the door. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't touch them. Even if they jump up on you, just don't, don't push them off, but just kind of ignore their presence and ignore the behaviors until they calm down. Or you can leave them in the crate entirely and then go over there and let them out after the buffer zone is done. It depends on the level of anxiety your dog is experiencing and kind of which way you want to manage that. So other than that, it's all the same. It's all normal. You can do this with a crate or without a crate. I do want to take a moment to add one of the things I hear a lot from my clients is that, you know, well, why can't I just get another dog for my dog? Because then he'll have a friend at home and, and he shouldn't be afraid to be alone anymore, right? That should take care of the separation anxiety. Guys, this is just not a good idea. Rarely does this ever solve the problem. The The problem is, is that the separation fear is related to you as an individual. It's connected to human. It's not the fact that the dog doesn't have anybody there with him and another dog is what it's seeking. It's a human entity that is important in this equation. So rarely does it ever work for you to get another dog. But uh, also, when you bring a new dog into the equation it's going to start feeding off of that anxiety and the fear because it's a newcomer into that environment. And so then you might actually have two dogs with separation anxiety on your hands instead of just one. And now you've duplicated your problem. So two, not better than one. It's just a bad idea. I would not recommend it. The next thing I want to talk about is what I call creating a sound bubble. Imagine a bubble around your house in which you control what your dog hears. Why is this important? So white noise can be comforting. I know some of us use those machines when we go to sleep. Some of us will turn on music. It, it can be real comforting, but it also gives your dog something to focus on other than what he's feeling and those kind of voices inside his head that are, you know, oh my gosh, when is she coming back? Is she ever coming back? I'm here alone. I don't like this. I'm not happy. And so it gives him an outward place to focus the, that energy and something to kind of uh, calm him. And so uh, if he does fall asleep too, he won't be woken up by a noisy neighbors. So this works for a house and apartment. So if you're in a house, you know, the mailman may come by. There's cars that go by and just airplanes, other noises. And uh, of course, in an apartment, there's the neighbors upstairs, the neighbors downstairs, slamming of doors, all kinds of noises that happen outside the apartment that can interrupt 
the calmness that we've already reached. So if the dog isn't, you know, having an extreme case of separation anxiety and he has managed to calm himself down enough so that he actually falls asleep, what we don't want is for a noisy car to go by and then your dog wakes up and has to go through the whole process again to calm himself back down. So uh, we want a consistent environment. That is extremely important. So we're trying to create consistency in what he is sensing. And we do this in uh, one of three ways. So can create a sound bubble by turning on the radio. So what I recommend is NPR or talk shows that are real similar to that because usually those shows are fairly consistent in their decibels and in what they're doing. There's mostly just talking all day. And so you're trying to avoid a wide variety and extremes because, again, you're looking for consistency. And you're not wanting to, again, leave this on so loud that it would actually become a problem. You're wanting this to be just a quiet white noise that goes along in the background. So uh, radio, great way to do it. Um, the best way, the way that I like the most is music. Your aim here is not hardcore rock and roll or anything like that. You're going for classical music, uh, something like Enya, something soft and calming because with a dog that's got anxiety we're trying to bring them back down so it not only provides consistency but it's also very calming and so um, love the idea of classical music as your sound bubble last but not least the tv i have a lot of clients who leave the tv on for their dogs it's a great idea works uh, really well and also you know your dog knows there's not people in the house but having the sound of people talking in the back room can be real comforting for a dog that you know misses the humans being home and so one big thing with this, I want to say the biggest mistake that people make when they do use the TV for their sound bubble, do not use Animal Planet. I know it's tempting because you're, you know, you're thinking, hey, it's my dog. Of course, he's going to want to watch animals, you know, on the TV. Guys, this is just a bad idea. And I'll tell you why. We've all watched Animal Planet and we've watched those shows and there's nothing but growling and monkey howling and dogs barking and cats screaming and meowing going on. And this is going to actually start to amplify that anxiety and that fear instead of calming. It's going to do the exact opposite of what we're trying to do, uh, which is calm and consistent. And so... If you can imagine having a little chihuahua who's terrified out of his mind and is panicking because his owner just left him, and then all he has to hear all day is this lion growling in the background, you can see how this would be problematic. So what I recommend if you're going to use the TV is to turn it on to the news. They're generally real consistent in the shows that they print. You know, they'll kind of be at the same volume level, people talking. I, I think cartoons is an okay idea too. Sometimes they get kind of crazy with the noises they use on those, but it's up to you. You know, make your choice. Some people will actually, certain kids' DVDs, uh, like Monsters Inc., I know is one of them, Disney and Pixar both do it a whole lot. They actually have autoplay on these uh, DVDs, so it'll play through the whole movie, and then once it hits the end and hits the menu, it'll actually play itself again, and so they'll pick a movie that they like that, you know, uh, has the content, but also the consistency that they're looking for. And it has that autoplay feature and it will just continue to play throughout the day. And so these are all great ideas, but the idea is to create a sound bubble where you control what your dog's hearing, calming environment, and something that's consistent. So those outside noises don't interrupt the level of calmness your dog has already reached. So Last but not least, I want to talk about boredom. 
Boredom is your worst enemy when it comes to leaving your dog alone in the house and separation anxiety, destructive habits. Boredom is the thing that drives a lot of this stuff. So every dog needs to have a job. They need to exercise their mind just as much as they need to exercise their body. And so don't allow the time for anxiety to happen. There's many ways you can do this. You can do this. One of the ways is by providing, of course, a wide variety of chew-proof toys. Chew-proof being the key word there. One of the mistakes people make when they buy toys is they only get one type. There's tons of types of toys out there. I mean, there's just an unlimited spectrum of toys out there. You've got your rope toys. You've got your rolling toys. You've got your squeaking toys. All kinds of toys out there. Stay safe. Keep away from the stuffed toys, toys that can be chewed up and swallowed. Don't use things that need supervision when your dog's playing with them, but uh, go crazy with it. Offer a wide variety of things for your dog to do. If your dog is not really a toy playing dog, no problem. We got lots of other suggestions here. So another thing that you can do if your dog is out of the house and is not a crated dog, you can do what we call the hide and seek treat game. Some of my clients do this and it's pretty successful and takes, you know, at least an hour out of their day to do. But what they'll do is uh, in the rooms that your dog is allowed to go, they'll go around and hide, you know, 10 or 12 treats in places where your dog can get them, in places that won't cause a problem, obviously. And as soon as, you know, you leave, your dog goes and and plays the game. And he tries to find the treats, and it's a good exercise for the mind, a good way to utilize those senses that he was given, utilize that smell, utilize those uh, critical thinking skills, and it's a great way to exercise the mind. So another thing that you can do is to take their water bowl and freeze it overnight. So what this does is... Uh, makes them work for their water. So they, it's kind of like a popsicle. They'll go and they'll work at it. And it's not, you know, too crazy. It's not like Sudoku or anything, but it is something to keep them active, keep them working, and it is a job for them to work at. One of the things you can do with this is uh, put in berries or treats or little things for them to work towards when they're looking at their water. So obviously never, ever, ever use grapes. Grapes are dangerous. Grapes will kill dogs. They're bad. Don't ever use them in your dog's water, food, or whatever, keep them away. But things like strawberries, things like blueberries, things like raspberries are a great thing to put into your dog's water to give them something to focus towards while they're going through their water bowl. So freezing the dog's water bowl, that's a great way to keep them busy. Take another hour out of their day. This one, which is my favorite one, is to to, to utilize the meals and uh, instead of just putting kibble in a bowl and feeding it to your dog so that it's just, you know, <clears throat> covering the aspect of feeding your dog, make feeding times a game. Make feeding times a job. Make them work for their food. And this is a great thing that you can buy some of these products and leave them and when you leave for the day, they are working to get their, their meals. And what I mean is... um I'm sure you've all seen uh, the more simplistic versions of these are the uh, kind of egg-shaped or round-shaped balls that you put their kibble into and they roll it around the floor and it pops out kibble here and there. That's the kind of more simple version of these, but they have what's called maze bowls. I actually have one of these for my dog. And you put the food uh, in the middle and they have to uh, work the food around to the edges through this maze uh, in order to be able to pull it out and eat it. It's uh, really deep in the middle and then shallow on the outside. And so they can see the food the whole time. But um, before they can actually pull it up into their mouth, they have to work it out to the edges. And so this is a great way to exercise their mind. It's a great way to give them something to do. And dogs absolutely love it. I know my dog loves it. 
they also have for the more, you know, sophisticated dogs, the, the intelligent dogs, obviously you don't want your dog to have such a challenging game that they don't know how to play it and they don't know how to get their food. Um, that'll be frustrating and kind of defeat the purpose for those border collies out there. And those super smart dogs, they have actual game pieces where you put the kibble into certain parts of this device and they actually have to press buttons or perform an action uh, before and, and several different types of actions before they'll get a little bit of their kibble. And uh, they sell these at, at PetSmart, Petco, all kinds of stores, and you can find them online. Great ways. I, I absolutely love this one. It's a really good way to engage your dog, make them work for their meal, and uh, gives them a game to play and something to do, and they really are happy for it. So the last but not least is everybody knows what a Kong is. Uh, if you don't, you can go on our website and uh, see a picture of what those look like. But Give them a Kong. That takes a good hour. It's an easy hour out of their day to get the treat out. And you can stuff them with all kinds of things. Peanut butter. And I want to make this clear. When I say to stuff your Kong with peanut butter, one of the biggest mistakes my clients make is that they fill the whole Kong up with peanut butter. And that is absolutely not what what that means. That'll make your dog sick. That's uh, way too much peanut butter. Peanut butter is very fatty. And so too much of it can cause some issues, uh, give them pancreatitis and all kinds of bad stuff. So you don't want to overload them on the fatty stuff. Uh, what I mean when I say stuff your Kong with peanut butter is to use a knife and coat the inside of the, the side of that Kong all with peanut butter so they have to lick it out. And so what you do is you coat the inside with something like this. You can use peanut butter, yogurt, cottage cheese, or honey. All of these are great. And then fill it with either treats or you can use apples that uh, don't have any seeds or you can use carrots, uh, something along those lines. It's a great treat because they, they get the, they have to, take the treat out and then they take the time to lick the lining and that's another good hour out of their day then they can go take a nap and then you're home and they've uh, utilized their whole day they feel happy they feel worked and they uh, don't have time for uh, that anxiety creep in they don't have time to be bored that's that's the big idea here just another disclaimer I want to add in here don't use anything that needs supervision uh, one of the things that a lot of people like to use is rawhides and this is kind of controversial rawhides i know when i watch my dog eat a rawhide she gets to that very last bit she will try to swallow it whole a little too soon and that can cause choking it can get stuck all kinds of bad things can happen if you read the package on these rawhide they do say under supervision only and so I will leave that up to you guys, but I don't recommend using rawhide or anything that really you should be there for. Again, stuffed toys, they've got stuffing and squeakers in there that they can chew out and swallow. Uh, we want to keep them safe. That's the whole goal here, guys. So don't use anything that might present danger or pose an issue. Okay, so just to recap, we want to remove ceremony and create a buffer when leaving and arriving into the house. Utilizing the rule, no look, no talk, no touch. So ignore your dog for a period of time before you leave and a period of time when you get home. That will separate the act of you leaving and departing from those feelings of fear and uh, will not validate those feelings of fear for your dog. Create a sound bubble. We want to control what your dog is hearing. We want to create a consistent and calm environment by utilizing the radio, music, and TV. Do not use Animal Planet. That will do nothing but scare your dog with those crazy sounds that happen. 
destroy the boredom, give your dog lots of things to do, give him a job, make him work for things. I trust me, he wants to. That's what they want to do. They want to have a purpose. They want to have something to do. They don't just want to sit there and wallow in their sorrow or worry about when you're going to get home. There's some, I want to talk a little bit about the extreme cases of separation anxiety devastating property damage we i've heard of dogs that have chewed through the drywall and the insulation and actually um, escaped out of the garage by doing this into the house dogs that have destroyed front doors they've eaten the handle off they've chewed through the wood enough to actually escape out into the world um dogs that have uh, scaled fences that have dug and crazy you know great escape kinds of holes out of the backyard these kinds of dogs are really um, susceptible to injury and self-harm and getting lost, getting hit by a car. Obviously, all the dangers that come with being out on the large, on the prowl in the world with this anxiety in, in tow. So with these kinds of cases, don't try to do this on your own. Seek some help. Go to your veterinarian. Tell them that you need some help with these kinds of things. They're able to offer you um, not only with the, there's always a behavioral aspect. You're going to have to put in the time to help uh, tackle the source of these problems in order to get rid of them. But medication can be used as a supplement to help in the meantime while you're working on tackling the source of those problems. Medications such as alprazolam, there's trazodone, fluoxetine, all these are, are good in utilizing as um, supplementation to a behavioral regimen. Not as a cure in, their, in, in and of themselves, but they're really good as supplementation. And talk to your veterinarian, they'll be able to help see if this is right for your dog. Desensitization therapy is what is usually used for these extreme cases. What this entails is is really everything that we talked about before, the, the buffer zone, the sound bubble, and destroying boredom. But on top of that, you do it in small increments at a time, and you do it repetitively over and over and over again, back to back, until your dog starts to uh, move its threshold to be able to tolerate longer periods of time of you being out of the house. So what this looks like is um, over a weekend, what you'll do is observing the ceremony rule, observing the buffer rule, you'll put your dog in its crate, you'll leave out the front door, be gone for 10 minutes, come back, observe the ceremony rule, take your dog out, and once your dog gets back to normal and is um, kind of back at homeostasis, you'll do the whole process over again, but this time you'll be gone for, say, 30 minutes. And you do this uh, again, and then this time you're gone for an hour, and you repeat this process over and over again until you slowly move your dog's threshold up to a point where they can safely tolerate you being gone for those longer periods of time. And depending on the severity of the separation and anxiety in the dog, um, this can take... Uh, uh, you know, longer or a shorter amount of time. It just is, it's dependent on where your dog is at as far as its anxiety level. But the idea behind it is just to do it so many times that your dog starts to get the idea that, oh, I can handle five minutes now. I, I know for sure they're coming back, but I don't know about 10 minutes now. Now I'm starting to get scared. Oh, well, now I can handle 10 minutes because I'm for sure they're coming back, but I don't know about 30 minutes. And this goes over and over again until you st slowly move that threshold to the point where your dog is um, okay with longer periods of time. But again, you know, if, if your dog is at that level where um, the separation anxiety is uh, just 
putting them in danger. Don't try to do it on your own. Seek some help. Another thing that you can utilize in these more extreme cases, or if you're just interested in, you know, what your dog gets up to during the day, is video monitoring. And so there are lots of uh, webcams that you can put out there that aren't specific to dogs, but that are just, you know, made for the house in general that you can put up and watch what your dog does um, via the internet while you're at work. You can also utilize, I know some people who utilize GoPro to see your dog's eye view of what they're doing during the day. They have special harnesses for it. They even have now um, dog-specific monitoring equipment uh, that's motion-activated when your dog, uh, you know, goes from room to room. It'll turn on that specific camera and this is really useful in those severe cases of separation anxiety so that when your dog does reach that threshold where they become dangerous and they're putting themselves in harm's way, you can go rescue them from that situation. And so video monitoring is, is really useful in those cases or if you're just curious about what your pup gets up to during the day. One thing I want to mention here, don't use bark collars for crying and whining. And If you're not familiar with what a bark collar is, they have several different kinds that utilize either citronella, which is just a, you know, foul-smelling spray. Every time your dog barks, it recognizes the vibration. It'll spray them every time they bark. Or uh, they come in shock shock form where every time your dog barks, it'll actually shock them to kind of um, try to, you know, encourage them not to bark or whine. And... We'll go over in later episodes these types of collars for counter training, counter conditioning for these types of behaviors. But for dogs with separation anxiety, these are just a bad idea. It's a quick fix. And I understand when you're in an apartment and your neighbors are complaining because your dog is crying all day that you have to have something that solves the problem immediately because you just don't have the time and you, you don't have the luxury of taking the time to deal with the dog with separation anxiety. And, and this, for one, is why a lot of dogs end up in shelters uh, because, you know, they were whining and crying because they were afraid and caused their owner some issues with the neighbors. And obviously, we can't lose our homes um, due to these kinds of problems. But this quick fix ends up not being a quick fix, and I'll tell you why. Your dog is already experiencing uh, extreme panic and anxiety and a high stress level because of these fears when you're out of the house. So when you add this unknown aggression, uh, this shock or this spray of a bad odor out of nowhere that your dog doesn't really know what to associate to, but it knows it happens when it's panicking. Yes, it could stop the barking and the whining, but it doesn't stop that anxiety and it actually will amplify that anxiety, will compound it. And what can happen is your dog can then move on to um, self-destructive habits or, you know, destruction of property. It will move on to a more extreme form of the anxiety because it now no longer has that outlet of crying and whining to get rid of that pent-up energy. And so then you can get a dog that is now destroying the door handle that now tears up the couch. And um, this, again, will ultimately lead to the destruction of the human-animal bond, the destruction of the relationship, and can end up in uh, uh, animals winding up in the shelter, which we don't want. So I understand that, um, you know, in those places where, you know, you can't have your neighbors complaining about your dog whining and crying, I understand why it is used, but it's just not a good idea, guys. It just doesn't, it doesn't end up, it doesn't treat the source of the problem, and it can end up compounding the issue. So 
I do have this question a lot by uh, some of the clients at the clinic. They ask, you know, well, what can I do then if my neighbors are complaining? I, I don't know how I can handle it, take the time to treat the anxiety of my dog, but also, you know, deal with the complaints from the neighbors. Some of the things I tell them to do is write a letter. Write a letter to your neighbors and let them know what's going on. People are compassionate, you know. Most people are compassionate. Most people are decent, at least. And if you let them know what's going on, you know, most people will give you the time and give you a little bit more leniency to to have time to tackle the issue. And sometimes you can even, uh, you know, include like a Starbucks gift card or something and just say, hey, here's a free cup of coffee on me and my dog. And uh, we're sorry for the noise. We're working on it. We promise. And a little bit of understanding goes a long way as far as that goes. I've had a, a lot of people that have used that and have had, um, you know, a little bit of a success there. So if you guys have any tips or tricks that I haven't mentioned here on the show or any questions or comments that we didn't address, uh, email me, the dog, the dogdom podcast, uh, D O G D O M, the dogdom podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter, Lacey at dogdom podcast. Visit our website, thedogdompodcast.wixsite.com slash subscribe. Wixsite is W-I-X-S-I-T-E. Uh, we're looking at more episodes coming soon. We're excited. Next week, we're going to be talking about dogs that pull. Those uh, dogs that you see leaning at the end of their leash, yanking their owner's arms off, pulling them around the park. It's always annoying. It's never fun. can sometimes be dangerous. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about the proper gear to be using for your dog. That's coming up next week. Uh, don't forget to submit photos of your dog for the dog of the day um, put the subject line in the email dog of the day include a short description of what your dog enjoys in life tell us a little bit about them and maybe we'll introduce your dog on the next episode of dogdom thank you so much for listening guys you guys have a great day